On the other end, value, I see it as the two buckets, problem solving, I'm helping you do something or B, I'm entertaining you and making and taking, uh, not taking advantage of your time and, and bringing something that is in some way delighting you. And that's kind of the two buckets. If you want to be known for something uh, and successful at something, you got to land in those in those two buckets where you're either solving people's problems through your content or you're entertaining people through your content. Turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go. No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fan. Prepare to turn the f*** up. This episode is sponsored by Rebe, the marketing analytics platform that gives you answers instead of more data. If you're looking at boosting conversions and understanding where you're going wrong, then you have to check out a Rebe. No more wasting time on Google Analytics by looking through irrelevant data. Now you can get to the crux of your tracking and measuring efforts in just a few simple clicks. So how does it work? After you connect a Rebe to your or your client's site, everything is tracked and analyzed automatically. That means whenever you launch a new campaign, landing page, promotion, or piece of content, you don't need to worry about those annoying tracking codes. You'll immediately have all the data you need in a user-friendly dashboard. Also, Rebe lets you create conversion funnels in just a few seconds. And you get to see how your visitors behave through these flows on your site. They also have cool integrations with platforms like Facebook, HubSpot, MailChimp. So make sure you check them out. They have a seven-day free trial. And the Marketing Millennials listeners get 20% off all plans with the promo code TMM20. That's T as in the, M as in marketing, M as in millennials, 20. Or you can go to aribi.io backslash TMM. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O backslash TMM. Or use a link in the show notes below to claim this amazing discount. Hey, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited for this one. I wanted to just kick it off and let everybody know your background. How did you get into marketing and how did you land up where you are today? Yeah, so marketing was never a thought for me, to be honest, like until probably five, six years ago. I actually think you and I have discussed this, but football was like my biggest passion kind of growing up. And and it was like all I really thought about until my early twenties. And then I started traveling. So like mostly in Europe. It's like, while I was traveling, I kind of got into this obsession of of like storytelling. So like, that was really the basis of it was this obsession with storytelling based around like travel content and being able to create like compelling stories around travel content. So like, that was like the, the kind of like seed for marketing. And then as like, I kind of developed from there to like becoming a content creator and like touching that domain, referring to like kind of travel content and, and like diving into that, then I kind of started transitioning into marketing and kind of creating content for companies on the side, like more so freelance work. As I started that transition, that's when I like started really becoming obsessed with marketing. So that was probably like six years ago. And so I started a social agency here in Austin, Texas called Social First, worked with about 25 to 30 brands within a two-year span. What start and what started as first, like I said, like a social agency where it was just 
creating like in-house content for local businesses here in Austin. And then it transitioned into working with DTC brands. And then as the, the agency scaled, started out offering performance marketing and influencer marketing, conversion rate optimization, et cetera. And then we got to work with brands like Onnit, which I'm, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with, but brands like Onnit. And, and then right after that, I kind of like, this was going into the, the whole pandemic that I was just like, the, the, like the agency life wasn't really for me. Like that's not my, uh, I don't like services. I like to create. And that's how I even got into marketing, right? It was like becoming a content creator made me fall in love with storytelling. And then it scaled into everything else that stems underneath growth marketing. And so I ditched the agency life after two or I basically called it quits after two and a half years and took all my learnings and was like, okay, I'm going to get into the startup game. I never really worked at a, like a successful startup. I knew I wanted to basically create a ton of content and like use that content to, to connect with great people. Like that's my entire basis of why I love marketing. So I joined the hustle in like just the, uh, 2020. It's just I, like my years are all messed up because <laughs> pandemic. I'm just like I don't even just going through the like I just know it's 2021. Like that's about it. Can't believe today is November 1st to be honest. So I joined the hustle, joined their growth team, got to to help grow the hustle daily, which is the their newsletter with 1.5, 1.6 million subscribers. Grow trends, uh, which is their paid subscription, and help grow my first million. And so I was there for roughly a year and a half during that, or sorry, a year. During that time, then I I was basically like, okay, I'm gonna get back on this track of I want to be a creator. I want to build things. I want to build things under my name, and I want to help people with their growth marketing efforts. So I I during my last few months at the hustle, I started really ramping up on Twitter, built market, and started building Marketing Examiner, which is my newsletter. And then basically the year mark, I left the hustle to focus on building Marketing Examined, and then. I also joined the the team at Gumroad as their like co-head of marketing position. Me and this other gentleman, Kyle Prinsloo, we both run Gumroad's marketing. And the reason I, I joined over there is because so Gumroad, I don't know how you, how familiar you are with it, but Gumroad has like this async work, work culture where there's like no meetings, no deadlines. You're kind of like left on your own and you and you only work part-time as well. So like you you could only work 15 to 20 hours a week. So for me, someone that's completely devoted to like building marketing exam. And this is like perfect where I don't have to be in meetings. I don't have to, you know, like I don't have to do the mundane things that, that, that come with working at a traditional startup. I get to be a part of something that I, I truly care about, which is helping creators grow and helping creators monetize their skills, et cetera, their mind. And then I also get to use that money to build marketing exam. And so now, yeah, we're working on building marketing exam. And I, yesterday I announced that like I'm launching a paid newsletter it was going to be called Garcia's Growth, but then I had a conversation with someone and we're like, that's kind of corny. So we're going to just go with like growth marketing exam and like instead, uh, like marketing exam will be the free version and then growth marketing exam will just be, you know, like another tier, but focused on growth marketing. So that's, yeah, that's, that's how I got here now. It was really like this, funny enough, just picking up a, a Canon T5 Rebel Eye. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's just like a three, $400 camera and, and taking in the sights of different places and kind of letting life teach me what I didn't know, didn't know I liked. And that's how I got to marketing, man. Yeah, I, I love that story. I, I love that most marketers I talk to like have the most unconventional paths. So yeah. that's, that's awesome to hear. I, I want to start in like, how do you like think of growth marketing? Like what is growth marketing to you? Like, cause everybody, I feel like there's so many definitions to like what yeah. growth marketing is. 
Yeah, I understand the skills that lie within it, the frameworks that that people, you know, the AAR framework, right? Um, the 21 skills or technical skills that kind of go underneath the umbrella of marketing that create the T-shaped marketer. But overall, like if, if you look at it in the scope of things, it's really just connecting. And this is why I get like the base of what I'm creating is growth marketing just is connecting great people to great brands and then watching the, the that connection develop a great business. And if you can do that at scale, then then that's growth marketing. Growth marketing is not hacks. Hacks are hacks are things that are very temporary. And, and true growth marketing is is getting the right people in front of the right brands and the right businesses and and creating that bond. So when I think of growth marketing, I just see it overall as this tool to make that happen. Yeah, I love that. I want to go into like how you thought about growing like a newsletter and also how you thought about growing like Twitter, like what was like the strategy behind it when, or did you go in just testing and then figuring it out? For sure. So for Twitter specifically, it started off, off that I, I first wanted to grow on Twitter, right? Like I'm like, okay, I'm a first build a rented audience, meaning an audience where the algorithm determines distribution. It determines how much the content travels, but again, distribution is built in, right? If I want to start, a newsletter tomorrow, I could write a newsletter every single day and send it every single day for a thousand days. And it might not grow. Like it, it could just be sent to zero people, right? Because there's no distribution built in. But if I, if I'm consistently putting content out into Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, et cetera, distribution is built in where the algorithm is going to reach other people. So my, my entire thing was first, I am going to build on Twitter, build out an audience there, and then leverage it to build a newsletter. So my first thing was, okay, I have zero, basically zero people on, like as followers. I don't really have an audience on Twitter. And I was like, the, the way to hyper grow anything, right? Or a lot, most things is to do something a lot, like repeatedly do an effort. That's why people will do like, okay, like, sem- right? Like the, that if you're trying to lose X amount of weight, they'll do like 75 hard, right? It's like, 75 days of consistently doing X to get X result. In my head, I thought the same thing, but for Twitter and creating an identity essentially around what I wanted to be known for, which was growth marketing. So I was like, I am going to do 50 threads over 50 days on X topic, like only growth marketing, which like I'll now see some people like trying to do, you know, threads for X amount of days. And what they miss is the fact that like the threads are all about different topics. And so you don't really ever like get that anchor point that holds you within some identity that's like, I am this, or I talk about this, or this is what I'm good at. My experiences live here. And so when I started the 50 threads over 50 days, it was, I wanted it to be known for growth marketing. That is my passion. That's what I want to then create a product around. It's essentially the newsletter, do a paid product around. So my entire thing was the way I could hyper grow my identity as X is by doing something with distribution built in over X amount of days. So that's how I approached Twitter specifically. And then, yeah, I guess the other, the other missing thing there is if you really want to do that and for it to be effective, you actually have to find also what the plat, like if you're, if you're, for me, it was Twitter and it was Twitter threads, but if you're doing this on real, like Instagram reels or Instagram, sorry, or TikTok or YouTube, you have to find what the, the platform's growth content is. And that means the content that like a, an algorithm favors and, and out, like in the sense of that kind of content gets maximum engagement every like nine out of 10 times. Right. And so meaning like Twitter, it's Twitter threads, like Instagram, it's Instagram reels, YouTube, it's things with trending topics or sorry, trending sounds, trending music, et cetera. 
YouTube, it's long form content. And so for me, I picked the Twitter threads because I was now kind of like doing a double edged sort of the consistency and then also utilizing a platform's growth content. And then as I saw that work, I knew that would then just be a bridge to an owned audience, meaning getting people on the email list, getting them uh, to engage with me there and have a better relationship outside of just what I put out on Twitter and, and having better, uh, I wouldn't say better content, but like more in detailed content, right? Like Twitter, 280 characters, you sometimes summarize things. You don't get to go in as, as much detail, but then if I get them into a newsletter, then I could go into like very deep specifics, try to uh, scale things. So that was kind of my mindset and, and my idea behind it on really using tw- Twitter as like a bridge to then email. I knew what the, the money was going to be in the email. You know? Yeah. I, I, the question I had too is like, I think a lot of people miss the part that you do very well is like, if you're going to do threads, you have to like have good content in there and like actionable content or like relevant content or insightful content. You can't just like, like, okay, I'm going to make th- 10 threads in this topic and like the copy is bad. The content is average. Like you have to have like, like your threads have like in detail stuff that like people can are like, Oh shoot. I didn't know that. Or like, Oh, I'm learning something about that. So how do you like go about thinking about like creating the content around it? Again, like the, the main thing is it all stems from growth marketing and, and trying to form the identity around that. But the way I, I see content is like two, two buckets, really. The first one being problem solving. So anytime I'm creating content, I'm hoping it solves in some way someone's problem, right? Like if I talk about referral programs, it's because I'm hoping someone's trying to implement a referral program. They have implemented a referral program. It didn't work. Or they're like, they're on the cusp of implementing one. And so therefore I could create a concept that solves a problem. Therefore it's the, the shareability of that piece of content's much higher than if, if not, that's one way I see of content is I see content as, or one bucket is problem solving. Cause just like anybody goes on Google and searches some like for something. And in reality, they're searching for a problem in Twitter, for example, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever platform we're talking about many times they don't know they're facing the problem, but if you're addressing a certain market, a certain amount of a certain demographic of people, you're like unconsciously hit, relaying there or getting uh, in front of their problem and addressing it with your content. So problem solving is one. The second is entertainment, which I don't really do much of like on, on Twitter, but I guess the, a great example of an individual that does both, right? Like problem solving with cool business threads and, and whatnot is like Trung. He does a really well, good job of being entertaining as well through his memes, through like his just, his just personality, his humor. When you could get into both, like it, when you could, uh, your content does either or that's like then you creating value. So I think value is one of the most overused words, but it's never really broken down. Like what is value? And and so overall I see like if I can create value, it's because I'm in some way I'm delighting a consumer. I'm delighting a reader, right? If I, if I put out a tweet and I make you laugh just for 10 seconds in some way I made, I provided value, right? I like delighted you in a way that, for that 10 seconds, I create this dopamine hit and you're happy, right? At the, on the other end, value, I see it as the two buckets, problem solving, I'm helping you do something or B, I'm entertaining you and making and taking, uh, not taking advantage of your time and, and bringing something that is in some way delighting you. And that's kind of the two buckets. If you want to be known for something uh, and successful at something, 
you got to land in those in those two buckets where you're either solving people's problems through your content or you're entertaining people through your content. Yeah, I love that. I love, I mean, and also what I think, I think people do badly, which I think you do very good, good well at is like, if you're going to like talk about a topic, like, you know, the topic so well that it, it's easy and it's simple, simple for everybody. Like some people I see put out there and it's like, it's so overcomplicated that like, yeah. if, if I was like a growth marketer, I probably would get like, like if, like let's say a growth marketer is talking and they talk about growth marketing and they overcomplicate it. I'm like, okay, yeah. a growth marketer will understand that, but not a wide audience would understand. Yeah. That. I think I, I wrote something today about that. It was like about using familiar words. For example, it was like Gary, Pro, I don't know how to say his last name, Provost, Provost. I'm terrible at pronouncing last names, but it was like, do you know what mandible is? Your dentist does. She uses that word every day. So if you're writing a story just for your dentist, use mandible. But if you're writing for everybody else, use the more familiar word, jaw. And it was like, that is a prime example of, of people try to use like the words that the buzzwords of like that they don't understand to just try to sound interesting or sound like they know what they're talking about. It's like the more simply you can write something, the the better it is for you is the better it is for your content. And the more, the more credibility is going to be behind your content. And I think that the, uh, that comes down to like people writing what they don't know as well. I think David Ogilvy is someone who said, he's like, he studies like a topic or he studies a campaign and, uh, or a product so much before he even puts any words on paper, because that's going to help unleash like his unconscious mind and his, uh, and his creativity the more he knows about something. If he doesn't understand it and he's trying to write about it, then it's not going to come out in a way where, it, where like it feels real, it feels authentic, it feels natural to say those kinds of words. And so one thing I've totally noticed, because I've, I've, I've done this where I'll want to write about something. And I'm not specifically saying like a Twitter thread, but like I've where I've wanted to write about something and I'll read like an, I won't even read, I'll, I'll scan like an article or two. And then I'll start trying to write. And a little bit into that writing, I'm like, pausing i'm like ah what what should i write here what should i write here and 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 then i realized like look i I just don't know have a deep understanding of the topic yet first i should do an hour or two hours of of like deep studying of this topic and then that's when i should write because now i'm gonna have a better understanding so now that the words that are coming out should be coming out they're more natural the way that they're coming out is more natural and so yeah i think that's like something that's super underrated you actually knowing the topic and studying the topic is, is going to help you write so much better. I think one of his most famous headlines, David Ogilvy again, was like about the Rolls Royce. And he said he spent hours, hours on hours, just studying the Rolls Royce, everything about the Rolls Royce, reading about it. And then that helped him then develop what now is his most like famous headline for, for an ad and, and something that, yeah, again, I think it's very underrated. Yeah. I mean, also what I think is crazy is like, it's funny on Twitter sometimes and like other things is like, like for me, like I talk about marketing, but I, I super simplify it, but like my target audience is not like an expert marketer, like, but I always get called out by expert marketers because, well, expert marketers, because they, they, they may think I'm making it too simple, but at the end of the day, like, they just not understanding that I'm not writing for them. They just got like hooked into seeing my tweet or seeing yeah. my content. So like, it's just funny. Cause like, if you really just want to have an audience of just like expert marketers, just write, 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 like you're talking exactly to marketers, but if you want to get a wider audience, you have to be simple. Like you, you said right there. I completely uh, agree. I'm interested in like, what are like some growth learnings that you learned from like, 
working in an agency and also like working in a household, like what are some learnings that you learned from there from growing those two things? So the agency, it was, it was so like, they're all such different business models. When it came to local businesses, one thing I, I would say two learnings that still stick with me to this day are like running paid ads in a, like, say a, you, you're working with a coffee shop and that coffee shop has just a lot of foot traffic, a lot of driving traffic, in like a three mile radius. One of the very underrated thing to do is just run constant ads from a one to three mile radius of the store, especially the one mile radius. I would actually put in more money into the one mile radius. That's something I learned for, for really local businesses. You could drive a ton of awareness around what you're doing. And it's like, there's not a lot of competition. There's not a lot of competition behind like local businesses running their ads. The other thing is, and this is, I'm in Austin. So this may be different for someone that's like in Wisconsin, right? Like I'm in Austin. It's just a, it's a, you know, startup city. There's a lot of foot traffic. There's a lot of people. So these tips work for maybe a bigger, more so a bigger city. Second is working with like local influencers, huge. Another thing for local businesses that's very underrated is working with the people that, that hold influence over what the city does. So like Austin has a lot of foodies. So it was always easy to, to find good foodies. They have a lot of event brands like 365 Things Austin, When Wear What Austin. And these are brands that like if you're hosting an event or if you're hosting different, not hosting an event, but like if you have these different things going on at your local comp- business, then could be used really effective there. On it, see on it, when we were working with on it, Equinox was coming in into play. So something that we did really well was like competition ads and like kind of like, uh, like the A versus B kind of content worked really well because it was it was just hot while Equinox was coming in. I mean, there's so many, like I could go on and on about different growth hacks and you know what I mean? Like growth, growth strategies for the hustle. The hustle did really well. I mean, with referral programs, which one thing that I think is like very underutilized, underrated is a proper referral program, which I'm sure like you're familiar with like Sparkloop, which is probably the best way for anybody right now to start a referral program. But yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many growth strategies. I could, that's something I could talk about for, for like 45 minutes is, is different growth strategies with a, with a whiteboard behind me. You know what I mean? Like I could go on d- days for. I would love to know, like, how do you start learning growth marketing? Like I know, but one is like your newsletter, obviously, but. Um, no, for sure. I think you got to start by actually learning on, on a product or trying to grow something. And that product could be digital. It could be by even like you could, you could go in today and create a free Gumroad product, right? Like a, a something that, that you don't even have to charge money for. And you could try to figure out, okay, how am I going to get 250 people to sign up for this through that? You could test various things. Okay. What happens if I, if for the next week I post five times on, on TikTok or I, I part collab with this creator. I write a guest post I, or a guest newsletter, or I get on X podcast. And there's so many different ways to growth hack like that. Like, I, I just think that, that if you are getting started, try to build something and, or generate results doing something. Cause if not, then all your growth packs are theories, right? You could be like, oh yeah, if I did run a Facebook ad and I had a referral program, then yeah, I, I'm sure I would get, you know, I would generate one customer and that customer would then generate three. It's not the reality of it. So, I mean, when I was first getting my newsletter up and running, I was testing, I think like three different variations of my referral program until 
I found the one that really hit. So the, the best way to get started is to try to, do, and this is something I think Sahil from Gumroad talks about, is like placing small bets. So like trying to grow little things. And, and then as you try to grow those little things, figure out the things that are really helping it scale and then test from there. I think growth hacking really comes down to just a ton of testing, right? Like you could do one, one week test that, that will give you a ton of answers. Um, and then especially at the beginning, if you're focusing on, on getting even your first hundred customers, it's like focusing on qualitative data and, and talking to customers, getting a ton of customer feedback, then using that to scale things. And then your quantitative data is going to help you then scale to even further past that. So my biggest thing was to try to start building something free. And if you do something on Gumroad, Substack, whatever, you can start growth hacking tomorrow and then use all the things that you're learning from like, say, Julian Shapiro or, or me or from Nick Sharma or yourself, Daniel, like all these different hacks, then use it to actually try to get from A to B, try to get, try to use it to go from zero to one, then one to 10. Right? Yeah, I love that. I love that because I think that's the underrated piece right there. It's like the side hustle of building something or something for me, because like even with your Twitter threads, I, I bet like you had a theory that like Twitter threads work because you saw it, but you yeah. didn't, you could, and you probably could tell someone that Twitter thread, but you couldn't like actually said it said it works until you put them into use exactly exactly so like even for me like like i could tell some like before like i saw like what how to grow on social media but like i never did it myself but until now that i've done it myself like i could definitely like tell people how to do it like it's not but it, it took me time to actually like try a bunch of things before and failed upon a bunch of things For before sure. I, I had that work. That's exactly um, what happened to me. It was like, I, before I started really doing those 50 threads over 50 days, I had just, was just like posted a few pieces of content on Twitter. Like nothing got a ton of engagement. I think, I think I wrote a thread on just like Nike's logo, how I think Nike paid like $27 for their logo. And I wrote like just a story about, about that. And it popped off. It got like, at the time, I probably like 100 followers, 200 followers, and it got like five or 600 likes. I was like, ah, this is the platform's growth content. Like this is, this works. I, and I knew it's, and I gained like a ton of followers that day, like a few hundred. I was like, oh shit, like this is awesome, right? And then that was kind of the testing ground for, okay, now if I scale this and I do 50 over 50 days, where am I going to get to, right? And it started slower, but what I did notice was every thread performed well. Like every thread got a few hundred likes. And then over time it got, you know, into consistently getting to thousands of likes, but yeah, it's just, you, you have to test it. Like if not, everything's theory and you can't drive results based off theory as much as we'd all hope we could. You, yeah, you can't. Yeah. And I like that you've done it. Like you've replicated, like your growth strategies have been replicated on multiple platforms too. But it's all like also like one thing that you're you're saying very well is like you have to like deeply figure out the platform before you like start doing this yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. you, like you can't just like say, okay, I'm going to grow on Twitter tomorrow and then not spend any time discovering how like Twitter works. Like Twitter, Twitter's a machine. If you could get it to work for you, then do like it's uh, the potential is endless, um, especially if you understand topics and like how kind of Twitter has its own built-in SEO. So then you like, you could kind of optimize your threads too. So if, if I'm trying to trend in marketing by using marketing in my first tweet, I could, tr- I could get my whole, and this is if someone doesn't even have really an audience and it, 
I could get my whole thread to then trend under marketing topic. And that's almost like, uh, like a Google searches first page by getting into there. It's like, but the only difference is every day it's different. It's every different content trending. So if you can consistently get there, you could get in front of thousands of new people every single day just by using keywords. So that's like an easy growth hack right there for people that are trying to grow on Twitter. It's like use the proper keywords relevant to the topic that you're trying to be known for or discuss and start trending and learn and like study what people are doing in those topics that gets their content trending. And then you could kind of reverse engineer that and figure out how to create your own content that then starts trending in those topics. And then another kind of like little growth hack is if you could get like a group of friends at all, like say you have a thousand followers and you have five other friends in in that realm of, of, I don't know, you like it, it's someone that talks about cannabis and they have five other friends that have kind of talk about cannabis and like, investing in cannabis, et cetera, then you can share each other's content, right? Like continuously retweet uh, each other's content and help each other's content get trending in X topics. So like those are, those are little growth hacks, but yeah, I mean, it really comes down to you have to actually be, it's social media. You're supposed to actually be social. You're supposed to, you're just taking what you would do in, in real life and do it in this kind of digital sphere, right? And so, yeah, I completely agree with you. You got to understand a platform before you can try to grow on a platform. That's why I'm big on when you're trying to grow like an audience, right? And I'm all for Gary Vee. I love Gary Vee. But like, I don't like when people try to be like master five platforms at once. Like master one platform. Get really good at one platform. I agree with that. I agree with that. The only reason Gary, and people don't get the only reason why Gary Vee can be good, great at, multiple platforms because he has a, a team of people that exactly. are doing this like exactly if you're one person trying to do gary v you're not you're gonna just be average at every single platform yeah 100%. that's like you the, the, kind of what you do, did with twitter like you didn't start email until i mean you you knew email from the hustle but you didn't really start like you started email a little bit while you're growing yeah. your twitter audience like i started like linkedin and then I realized, okay, I understand LinkedIn. I can, yeah, I don't have to put as much effort anymore at LinkedIn. I can start doing Twitter. That's the only time I've started moving to Twitter. I didn't like try to do both because I would have failed horribly yeah. if I did both at the same time. I'm on the same boat as you there. Like it's uh, the next platform I'm going to tackle is TikTok. And it's like, because, but I'm first now like spending time on TikTok, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what marketers and business people are doing to grow. Like one, one person that crushed it on, on TikTok is I think her, it's like a a business podcast and, and she hadn't grown an audience elsewhere. Like she, I think she has like a a smaller kind of audience on other platforms, but on TikTok, she started crushing it, like absolutely crushing it. It's something in the, in the hundred thousands. And so she launched a, her podcast, which is the one I'm blanking on the name, but the day she launched it, it was up number one on the charts for like a whole week. And it was just all based off her TikTok audience, which is pretty insane. And it was the reason I know it was off TikTok is because I was reading like the reviews on it, on her podcast. And it was like 99% of them were all, I found you on TikTok. Now I'm here on your podcast. And I was like, wow, this is pretty insane. And I've been talking to a few other marketers who actually had a ton of success using TikTok to grow their newsletters, yeah. et cetera. I mean, that's crazy. Cause I mean, I, I've discovered podcasts off of TikTok. Like I saw, like you know, Jason Calacanis, what, yeah. and his the podcast, all the All In podcast, and then I saw 
even all of the Barstool podcasts, which they do it really well. I've discovered yeah. all of the Barstool podcasts off of like TikTok. I didn't hear it from like like going on podcasts and searching for a podcast. Yeah, exactly. If you're good at video and have a good video person and know how to get relevant clips in there, you can grow quickly yeah. on TikTok with that. It's crazy because like TikTok is it's really like there's a difference between making a video and making a TikTok. It's like I, I think there's like this girl so, social savannah, I believe was her. Oh name. yeah, yeah. Yeah, where she's like she's the killer at this where she understands how to really make trending TikTok ads, clips, etc. Because like when I was at the hustle, we brought on the team Smart Nonsense, which is like growing or blowing up on Twitter now, which I'm sure you've seen a lot of their clips. They do the clips for, well, one, My First Million, and then they also do them for the All In Pod with Jason. And I think he does, they do some clips now for like Naval and whatnot. And it's funny because those, they're like such well put together clips. I mean, like the, the 3D animation, et cetera, like motion graphics, killer, but it doesn't perform well on TikTok. No. And then on the other hand, if you go look at, let's say, Morning Brew, and you look at, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched any of Morning Brew's content on I TikTok have, specifically. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. They crush. They get sometimes millions of views. And it's because it's, it's actually how people consume that or content on that platform. It's like more of the art, like the art of legitimately, like a TikTok, right? It's very different. It's raw. It's authentic. It's shot on your, your iPhone. It doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to have any glamour, motion graphics. It just needs to be entertaining and then... I think the best, I, there's this girl, Vigalia, who uh, she's like one of Gumroad's top creators. I mean, she's crushed it. And the way she discusses her content is it needs to be edutainment. So like a mix of education and entertainment mixed with like a, like a fast paced, mixed with fast paced, like basically not get the, 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 the attention to, to dwindle off. And her as well, like she's, she blew up because of TikTok. So I, I just see like, I know we're rambling on TikTok, but like, ton of potential there usually people uh or like businesses fail to adopt to that fast and and like especially you know you'll hear oh my god this is like facebook advertising on facebook in 03 and 05 or whatever like i want to have that moment right like i want to be like put my marketing dollars on a platform and it's just like holy shit this is not real kind of thing so i'm, I'm curious to explore tiktok more yeah, I mean, the, the way you're thinking about it is the right way to think about it. Like, even if you're not, like, ready to be on a platform. Like, I talked to the VP of marketing at Tinder, and she tells me, like, even if I'm not, we're, like, not on platforms, I'm always, like, going to, like, on platforms and using yeah. the platform just to know, like, why it works. Even if you don't put a, any a, one piece of content on TikTok, just go on TikTok to know why TikTok is working, yeah. why people are spending time on there. And then you can reverse yeah. engineer, like people's attention from that yeah 100 percent. like even like i mean does she just she, she said this like i don't know but she said like only fans for example like why are people on only fans like like yeah. she she's like i'm i'm on there to look at why people are on only fans like i'm not on there to like be on only fans i'm on there yeah. to like know why people are on only fans for sure which makes sense and it's crazy uh, because like you'll you'll notice too one thing i've noticed about for example, just like being on platforms, for example, Instagram, I've noticed is the, the mother of all platforms, meaning all kind of content lives on, on Instagram and it all performs well. So you, you'll get TikTok clips making it on there. You'll get Twitter threads, even getting screenshot and put it on there. You'll get like screenshots of tweets getting put on Instagram. You'll get 
whatever, like all sorts of, of content, like long form content, right? So you're getting basically getting YouTube content put on Instagram, but all the other platforms, they have their own native content. Yeah, it's very good to understand the platform, the content that gets shared on the platform, the best performing content on certain platforms so that, yeah, what you, what you say, you just reverse engineer what works and figure out how to spin it so that it works for you. I mean, you just, I mean, the, the Instagram part is a good play because you'll see, like you could tell that like, cause it were, it does work if you know how to fix it. Like I could take, if you take your best performing thread and make it a TikTok it for like, that's designed for, for TikTok or designed for LinkedIn or designed for Reddit you can make it go off. Like you just have to design it for the platform because you know that it had 4,000, like 4,000 people like it on one platform. So you could take it and go to move it to another platform. That's exactly what I like preach all the time or preach is the wrong word, but like Twitter is my testing grounds. It's, it's where I do all my testing. And then, and then if it performs well on Twitter, because like you're getting like real world or just like it's hyperspeed, you're getting feedback at hyperspeed take that knowledge and then go scale that piece of content, right? Like if my, one of my best performing tweets is about writing like an Amazonian and like copywriting tips for that, I could scale that and that would probably crush on TikTok, right? Like if, if I'm talking about cop, nine copywriting tips to write like an Am- Amazonian or then I create it into a YouTube video, that's seven plus minutes, et cetera. But just by using Twitter as the testing ground, yeah, you, you could then scale into whatever platforms. And I think that's, once you get really good at one platform, then you can kind of do that too. It's like you could, well, if ever you could just take everything that performed really well on one platform and alter it so it fits what another, like another platform's needs, but you're just taking very high performing content. And then now, I mean, that's, that's what I, that's how I'm sustaining LinkedIn right now. I'm taking my highest performing Twitter content and just putting yeah. it on LinkedIn. That's how I'm sustaining it. Like if, if I didn't have, like sometimes I don't like want to create content for the platform. So I'm like, okay, I'll mm-hmm. just take my best performing content that I know will work on on yeah. LinkedIn and put it up there. I like to ask everybody in the podcast, like, what are you seeing that most, and I'll specify for growth marketers, what are most growth marketers doing wrong today or the marketers in general doing wrong today? I, I, this is a buzzword right now. Not enough companies are are acting as media companies is my biggest thing. I think more companies need to, to act as media companies, essentially act as media companies or develop a media arm. I think the best company doing it or one of the best companies doing it right now is like is Microacquire, with, which I'm sure you're familiar with Microacquire, but they just launched their own media platform or media like company bootstrappers or media arm, essentially, sorry, bootstrappers, which is everything that is Microacquire, right? It's like this. It's a newsletter and blog specifically focused around just bootstrapping companies. And then on top of that, he has Microacquire, which is where you go to purchase bootstrapped companies and people selling their bootstrapped companies. So it's like this perfect bridge to get people from bootstrappers and become fans of bootstrappers to then buy or sell their companies on Microacquire. So the biggest thing I see the mistake is, is not creating content arms, and then you, you solely re, uh, rely for, or relying on uh, your acquisition needs to come from like paid media and different paid media avenues. When if you're creating your content arm, then you can create this over time. It does, it definitely takes time, but if you create a content, strong content arm, then you're gonna be building something that's acquiring customers continuously as you scale. The way I see things run is like, 
it goes like content to culture, culture to commerce. So if you could, if you could nail those three, uh, where you're creating content that impacts, let's say your domain's culture and is creating a, a brand within that, your domain's culture, then you'll be able to scale that to, or sorry, you'll transition from there to commerce. And if you could, and then over time, that's just like this infinite feedback loop. I think we've, we've seen it now with F1. We've seen it now with Squid Games. That's, it's really just this, this hierarchy of like creating really good content, then it impacts culture, and then culture impacts commerce. And that's, I think that's the, you could do that, but like Wistia is doing that right now with B2B. Uh, they just created like an animated series on like B2B marketing or something like that along those lines. And they're probably one of the best ones of, of creating content that then shifts the culture within their domain and, and then gets people to use and implement Wistia. So yeah, the, the biggest problem or things that growth marketers or marketers or companies, whatever that are, is not doing is like developing their own media arms and, and understand the affinity that comes with developing a media arm. You could pay for millions and imp- millions impressions, right? And get in front of millions of people, but it doesn't mean you're actually making an impression. It's really just that it's one quick impression. But if you can create content that people are landing on and then choosing to interact with, engage with, now you're building affinity. And affinity is this, the superpower that if you can create affinity, then you you could have a fan for life. That's why I think like one of the greatest examples is uh, Hot Ones. Have you watched that show? Yeah. Yeah. Hot Ones. Like they did, I think it was like $7 million in revenue in 2019 or 2020. And it all came from selling hot sauce. That's the back end of creating a really good show, creating really good content. Everybody wanted to go through like, see if I could take this, this hot sauce. They wanted to know, get the whole, the whole sample pack so they could do hot ones at home, right? It's the back end of really good content. I think another company doing it was like, Old Spice with, I think their, their series like Cold as Balls with Kevin Hart, like that's selling, it's increasing Old Spice's sales and revenue because of the content that, that they're on the back end of. So yeah, the, the biggest thing is creating a media, media arm, a content machine behind your company. And that's like the, the, the number one thing I plan on doing is, is like my entire, I guess I'll, I'll back it up with what I'm doing, which is building marketing examine has 13K subs right now, launching a paid newsletter to then just be able to fund other free pieces of content. So like launching a podcast, creating a video series, having a really strong blog. It's all just so I could extend my media arm. That's why I'm launching a paid product. So I could just extend that and reach even more people and then eventually funnel them to different products as well. And, but yeah, it's content culture, commerce. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree. That's the one of the best like answers. Yeah, I think like it's so in people's faces, but they just be born like investing it because it's all this like going back to like people taking money and being tied to a revenue number and then they can't do it because they're spending money without quick results. And, yeah. and but I want to leave this last minute for you to search where people can find you. Like where can they find marketing exam and like, where can they follow you? Anything you want to talk about by the time this airs, my product will be out uh, growth marketing examined which will be, you'll be able to get that just via through Twitter or my, if you're signed up for my newsletter marketing examined. Also, I'm, I mean, I'm launching it via, wanted to put my own like words to practice. So I'm launching it via Gumroad, kind of inspired by Sahil and like his most recent book, The Minimalist Entrepreneur. I don't want to like promo my product, but what it is, is I'm going to take every, like my members growth marketing questions. So say you have a question about 
growth loops, how to implement it in your B2B SaaS company. I'm going to take your questions. The community will upvote which questions they want answered based on which questions they get upvoted. Uh, I'll write a deep dive case study with a strategy that you could implement tomorrow on that. If that's something that interests you, we'd love to have you there. But other than that, I would love to chat on Twitter, um, my newsletter. So Twitter, it's Alex Garcia underscore ATX. And then Marketing Examined. My newsletter is www.marketingexamined.co. My Instagram, I don't really talk about marketing on my Instagram, but it exists. It's the same thing. I'm, it's like, I'm yeah, asked. you don't have to be, like we just talked about, you don't have to be yeah. on every channel. And every channel doesn't mean you have to be a marketing channel for yeah. you. So. If you like yeah. to see my dog, then... <laughs> if you want to be have my see my personal life, yeah, yeah. check out my Twitter. Um, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate thank it. Thank you so and, much, man. Uh, this has been awesome and good to finally connect and face-to-face. Likewise, man. I really appreciate it. I'm glad also that you're feeling better. So, but yeah, great. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Bye.